0: It's always um, nice to be able to speak with you guys, um, I do enjoy it, um, however I get very nervous and I've been told not to say that, but I feel like um, today might be a time when I'm allowed to say it because of the topic, do not worry. Um, I noticed that in the newsweek today it says, it's great to have you with us this morning, Jenny and Dion are leading the service today, Dara is speaking from Matthew six twenty-five to 34, don't worry. I don't know whether that's for me or for you but I'll try not to worry Um, It's an interesting verse because it's being told not to worry, um, and I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, and I've kind of glossed over this before, I've kind of known about it, okay, God, Jesus asks us not to worry, and I'll try not to worry too much about things, and I know deep down that God cares for me. But when I started to look into this a little bit deeper, um, and try and prepare a message for you guys, and of course for myself. Um, I started to feel a little bit more uncomfortable with it, actually. I didn't really like this poetic language of birds and grass and flowers. And I kind of felt like, as I was thinking about it, God, I have legitimate worries. The things going on in my life. And when you say, don't worry, struggle with that. I felt, when I was looking into it, that actually maybe God is not as close as I once thought. That maybe he doesn't know what's going on. If you're telling me not to worry, and I've got a whole list of worries here, do you really know what's going on in my life? I, um, I worry about money. I don't know if anybody else might have those worries. I worry about my work, and at the moment, where I am. uh, Last, two weeks ago, I went on holiday, and the Friday before that, I got a phone call in the evening from my boss, saying, just before you go on holiday, um, I mean, I have some news that's gonna break whilst you're away, um, about the team. And my boss has handed in her notice, and so have one of the other senior managers. I've been in the seat for three months, and out of a team of 12, seven have moved on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously a change maker, and hopefully (laughs) it's a positive one. But in that context, I'm, I'm worried, I'm new, and all this change is going on, and I've got meetings with other senior managers to try and work out what the future of that team actually looks like. That's a legitimate worry, surely. I worry about my kids, and I don't even have any yet. (laughs) I worry about what school they're going to go to. And I worry about what London's going to look like when they're teenagers. And we're talking... years and years. (laughs) I worry about my rainy day fund, whether I'm putting enough away for when things really get bad. And then I've got my little worries, where's my passport again, is it in the same drawer? And you check it and it's there. I worry about global things, things like Kenya and the uh, elections there. I'm going to have to mention Donald Trump again. But it's the the wording, the rhetoric that he's speaking. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the economy and the pounds. I've got my questions about my faith and my God. And yet I've been told not to worry. I struggled with that initially. And like I said, I was feeling that maybe God isn't as close. As I'm being taught, he is. And then I started worrying about worrying, as I can imagine maybe some here do too. Maybe I was a bad Christian to worry, or an ungrateful son. We just take a communion. Am I being ungrateful for what God has done for me, sacrificed for me? But the thing is, As I learnt more about this and got more into it, um, I realised that there's a difference between worry and concern. And that worry is a bad thing and is a negative thing. But concern can be a helpful thing. And I was getting confused between the two. Worry comes from an old German word, which means to strangle. And worry does just that emotionally and mentally strangles us. And there's an intrinsic link to fear with worry. Once, um, years ago, when I was about 11 or 12, um, we were in the garden with my family and wider family. It's probably 20 of us there. um, And we had barbecue and different food. And we were just I can't remember whether we were celebrating or just just hanging out because the weather was nice. for And then um, I remember fighting into pizza and all of the cheese from the whole slice <coughs> went down my throat. And I'm not sure whether I was choking or whether it was it just didn't go down right. But I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was struggling. And then there was panic. I could see in other people's faces and my father ran over and he grabbed me, put his fingers down my throat and just pulled out this whole length of cheese (laughs) (laughs) and was stuck there. There's another time when we're swimming in the shallows and I was on the lino and it just tipped and I went under the water, maybe two foot deep. But the panic of having some some water go into your lungs, just a little bit, was overwhelming. And I was struggling and thrashing, and I was worried. And in these situations, you don't have any capacity to focus on anything else. We don't have any capacity to give our attention to anything else that's going on. It captures us. It suffocates us. Our energy is away from everything else, and you get tunneled in. All I cared about when the Jesus in my throat was to... Well, I didn't really know. It was just panic. Genuine panic. When I was under the water, although it's not a big deal, it's only two foot, I could just stand up. The panic. You see, worry, when it comes to the pizza, could then manifest itself into being scared to eat. Every time I eat, I'm anxious about choking. Where concerned. Manifests manifest itself being don't be silly when I eat. Don't be eating when I'm on a try or something like that. Don't be silly I don't know if you guys remember um an advert uh, for John Smith's <laughs> when Peter Kay used to do the advert. And um, uh, the scene is that he's out with a meal um, Luke knows it uh for a curry and he gets a phone call he picks up the phone and asks the babysitter and I'll put her on and he talks to, her, to his daughter and she and he explains oh she's having nightmares about the, uh, the monsters in the wardrobe and he's like oh don't worry about the monsters in the wardrobe it's the burdens breaking in that you've got to be worried about <laughs> and then says night. sleep tight thankfully our God isn't a father like Peter K. in that advert. <laughs> See, the thing is, I suppose there is potential for that to happen, but worrying only deprives us further. That's what will keep you up at night—is the worry. Another way to look at it, maybe, is worry is like a fog. I've been told, well, I did a little bit of research, and I hope this is true. Well, I tried to get a fog machine, but Nigel said that Forest Hill Community Church doesn't own one, Mm -hmm. um, and that I needed to talk to Hillsong or HGV. (laughs) (laughs) um, And I think Nigel might have thought that I wanted it for an entrance. (laughs) So no, really I've been told that one liter of water would approximately be, depending on humidity and other things like that, um, thirteen fifty eight liters of fog. So you can imagine actually something that's quite relatively small, a liter of water, could end up looking like thirteen hundred fifty eight liters of thick fog strangles your vision, it strangles your senses. You struggle to navigate and know where you are. Be difficult, it's difficult to orientate yourself. There's even this um, concept called spatial disorientation which is seen sometimes in pilots. If they're not used to using their um, clouds, then when they go through clouds, it's been known in smaller aircraft that they come out at different angles. They don't trust themselves or where they feel because they've got no horizon to line themselves up with. You see, worry is futile and you can end up facing the wrong direction. Ultimately, you can be facing away from God. Problems will come our way, there will be hard times in our life, and at no point. Does the Bible, or Jesus, or God, promise us that our time on earth will be easy? In fact, there are regular suggestions to the contrary when we're living for our God. So, with those, with that truth, how do we get to a place when problems come, but our attitude and our response is not that of worry? I kind of come up with a few points. One is. Where is our security? (laughs) Is it in things that we can lose? Because this, I feel, is the biggest cause for worry. The list that I was talking about earlier, money, job, they are all things that I can lose. My wife, my family, I could lose. My mind, I could lose. My own health, I could lose. My own life, I could lose. (coughs) Is my security in those things? If so, I might well end up worrying at some point. The thing is, we read that. we read that verse, and, it's, um, and it starts with therefore, which is a big clue to maybe go back a couple of verses, at least. And so just preceding that, it says this in Matthew 6, to 24 Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? I kind of think that worrying or not worrying is. Do not let yourself be strangled by caring so much about what food you have and what clothes you have. Don't store up earthly treasures and cares. Psalm 23 is a very well-known, popular psalm. And I don't think there's a time when this cannot be used in a time of worry or concern. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> Again, that verse shows that difficult times will come, but God truly is with us. My initial uncomfortableness with the passage, is God really there with me? How, how can He tell me not to worry when I've got these legitimate worries, these difficulties going on in my life? And as verses up that that you kind of believe on to the truth that that speaks. My first step in reducing worry is to worship. To refocus on God. And the sound, that sound demonstrates that. Problems and concerns present themselves even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and the hidden danger early. I fear no evil, and you are with me. When, When we come out of trials, it's quite easy to worship. And that really is gratitude, which is a very good thing. But worshiping during those trials, that's faith. But when problems come, we shouldn't worry. Because worry strangles and is futile, and we're reminded that our God is with us. We can have concerns, but worry is that fog <coughs> that settles in, that means we get confused and we can't see. That strangles, which means decisions are difficult to make. Concern is something different. One of my favourite verses, and I go back to quite regularly to remind myself. Um, in difficult times, is that of Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego. Um, and for those who don't know the story, um, they're in another kingdom, and uh, their new king Nebuchadnezzar orders them to bow down and worship an idol, uh, an idol of gold that he has set up, and they refuse to do this, and they are whistleblowing, I suppose. They are told off. And they are presented to the king. And he says in the decree that was ordered if you don't bow down you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. And that's where they end up. Where we pick it up. In front of that furnace ready to be thrown in. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. It's all well and good, but sometimes I feel like he doesn't deliver us, and this is why it's one of my special favourite verses, because it continues, But even if he does not, We want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They could worry about impending doom. They could worry about losing their life, losing their positions, losing everything they have. But that's not where their security lies. That's not what they think is paramount. Because even if their God does not save them from that, they're still going to worship. It's a real difficult thing in reality, isn't it? Because my worries at the moment probably aren't the biggest, some worries that are in this room. Definitely not some worries in our wider community. But we serve a God who is our shepherd, who walks with us. And even if we don't feel that he's plucked us out and saved us from a situation, he still is our God. And with an eternal perspective, it becomes easier to see the love that he has for us and what communion really represents there are loads of different <coughs> verses that you can pluck out, like Psalm 23, to encourage us. And Isaiah, 4, we will soar, uh, Isaiah 40, who will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. There's another verse in Matthew 10, which... Um, again, that's quite like When the disciples are sent out on their first mission... They're sent out in pairs, and Jesus says, "Do not take any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, or extra shirt, or sandals, or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. For whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. On their first mission, they're told not to bring anything with them. There's a whole preach there." <laughs> But again, it's this this idea that don't put your security into those things because God is with you. He is there. I've got other little bits of advice maybe. And that's, take each day as it comes. There's a clock up there. It's getting quite close to noon. So I need to speed up. But imagine another clock Such as this, in a big room, some quarter people coming in and out. And it's flourished to tick, top, tick, top. And then the clock starts to think. And it goes, okay, so I've got 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. That's 3,600. In a day, I've got to tick 86,400 times. And in a year, I've got to tick 31,449,600 times in a year. And the clock gets overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it can't quite keep the time. Starts slowing down. (laughs) And then the clock has an epiphany. And it says to itself, "Let's just take it one tick at a time." There's a man trying to climb a flight of stairs, and he tries to do it in one go. <coughs> and then he has an epiphany. He tries to take it one step at a time. That last verse that we read out in Matthew six thirty-four it says, "Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now." And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Worry looks into the future and brings the troubles into the present day. And God is saying, there's enough trouble for today. I've given you grace and mercy, you, every morning, That's sufficient. Don't bring the troubles of tomorrow into today. That's really what worry does. These things that are very difficult to act with, very difficult to <coughs> deal with, or do anything about, and you're bringing them into today. Worry just gets us more intuitively, more upset, and less capacity to do something about it. So take each day as it comes. Another little tip that I'm finding useful, is that actually my day starts like this most of the time, loads of alarms, waking me up, shaking me out of bed, thought of a day at work, and then I go into the sitting room with my Weetabix, and I watch BBC Breakfast, and I take on all the worries of the world, It's not a very relaxing start for my day. And I know I kind of enjoy keeping up to date with current affairs, and it's good to be aware of what's going on. Richard Chartres says, um, he, well, he was at a leaders meeting at HTV, and was asked, what's the one bit of advice you'd give to all of these leaders here? And he leans forward and says, get up early. He talks about starting a day with God. Something that I've always struggled to do. But someone explained, explained it to me as like doing a sound check. Coldplay, the Red Ox Chili Peppers, Nigel, don't just get up onto stage and do a gig. A sound check. They get prepared, so they put things in place. Maybe. Well, something I'm going to try and implement is having a little sound check at the start of my day. Rather than inputting worries straight onto me, just have a sound check with my God. I'm going to have to hurry up, I thought I was going to be much quicker than that. I've got other notes here about sharing of the values. The joy of house groups, being able to pray with one another, The worry doesn't need to be in lonely place. The good news offers the complete restoration of the child-father relationship between God and us. Jesus is challenging us not to remain independent of him by incessantly worrying about our own needs. He calls us to be God-reliant to know he cares for us. Jesus is challenging us not to give up all concern for food or water or clothing or other things we need, but to give up an an insightless, faithless obsession with security. There's a book called The Worry, the worry Book um, by Will Vanderhart at HGD. And he talks about, a lot of times Christians talk about worry being a total lack of trust in God. And although elements of that do come in, that, the way that's spoken sometimes pushes people away from being able to share their worries, their concerns with the church. They feel like it's their problem. And so I want to encourage people here that if there are genuine, large worries that hold you back, that are fault, that are strangling you, to do speak up about it and genuinely the team here. Um, we're more than happy to begin that journey. I don't want you to just think, oh, I don't have trust in God and that's why I worry. That's that's not what I want you guys to take away from us at all. Founding ourselves in God. Almost certainly help us not to worry. But I don't want it to be just a total that because you worry means you don't trust the word. The last thing that I'm going to share is a little story from my life. I kind of feel that at times with this whole worry talk, that being like a child, when Jesus mentions it a couple of times, to be childlike with our faith. This helps me, here. When I was a child, uh, times were pretty tough. And uh, money was scarce, I understand. Um, I'm small, I didn't really understand money, but now I do. Uh, my parents were breaking up and getting back together, and breaking up and getting back together, and unfortunately they did end up getting divorced. I was moving around, my living situation, Um, technically homeless for a while, living in hostels, it was three days here and then a year there, a few months here, I lived in 16 places before I was 16. I shared a room with my dad when I was doing my A levels in my uncle's home, but as a child I didn't worry, I was loved by my parents even though they had difficulties. I knew I was loved by them. I didn't worry about food, even though I imagine my parents really did. I didn't worry about what I was wearing, even though maybe my parents really did. And I just want to use that, maybe in my blessed people here, definitely does for me. But God understands our concerns and he asks us to cast them onto him. I enjoyed spending time with my father. I didn't worry about the clothes I had on. Lord God, thank you so much that you do walk with us through difficult times. Lord God, I pray for those who are like me who sometimes struggle to see that. Lord God, I pray that what we describe in the world as legitimate worries, we will see your love, your peace, casting out those fears. Lord God, we just pray that in difficult times, in genuine concerns, that we will be Petitioning you, talking with you, walking with you. Lord God, that you will be that lamp unto our feet. Lord God, I thank you so much for what you did achieve on that cross, that you have reconciled us to you. Lord God, I pray that we will have um, a perspective. Where we are all the kingdom. That our security is not in things that we can lose, but our security is in the truth of what you achieve and that trust. And that we cannot lose.